Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flat. It's Christmas morning, December 25th, 2020, and I'm your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. On today's episode, I will be sharing some more stories and memories about Christmas. I have previously done an episode of You Don't Know Flack about Christmas, and I recently listened to that episode while I was doing some decorating around the house and putting up some Christmas decorations, and I really enjoyed listening to some of those old memories, but I also realized that there were a lot of other stories that I haven't shared and a lot of other memories uh, that I have of Christmas, and so I made some notes, and uh, here we are with another Christmas episode of You Don't Know Flack. Now, unlike most episodes of You Don't Know Flack, I won't be going through loading time. I won't be talking about news or, or anything like that. Um, this is just a, a Christmas episode, a little bonus gift for me to you, to all my listeners and all my supporters, and I wanted uh, everybody to have something to listen to, whether it's uh, later on on Christmas or or uh, maybe over the weekend if you're not doing anything. And uh, so anyway, I just thought I would share some uh, other Christmas memories that I have with everyone. Uh, now, unlike a lot of episodes where I write out either, sometimes I write out complete stories that I want to share. Sometimes I write out complete uh, outlines. And on this one, I've literally just written down little key phrases <laughs> to remind me of uh the stories that I wanted to share. So this episode will definitely just be off the top of my head, a little bit of uh, free flowing, uh, as they say. So uh, the first thing that I wrote down here is just two words. It says Amazon shopping. And I guess it's been, um, oh, several years now that I've done all my Christmas shopping through Amazon. Um, I guess I should say online. I don't know that every single thing comes from Amazon, but that's definitely where I check first. And if they have it, that's where my Christmas shopping normally comes from. And if there's something specific that somebody wants that's available on a different site, then I do that. So it's it's pretty much Amazon first and then other online <laughs> sources second and a very distant third would be walking into a store, uh, especially this year, but any year, uh, to go pick up gifts. Um, and so, you know, because we do so much shopping online, that's kind of how we build our Christmas lists as well. We asked our kids to make us Christmas lists of things that they wanted, and they made uh, wish lists on Amazon and emailed them to us, which I thought was very funny um, because that is not the way that I made my Christmas lists as a child. Um, my Christmas lists as a child began the same way every year, and it was when the Sears catalog would arrive. Now, I know that there's a, a website, I think it's called Wishlist or something like that, uh, that has a lot of different uh, Christmas catalogs scanned in and archived, uh, but there is definitely something about having a physical uh, catalog. Um, we would, um, uh, this, this is a, a funny memory, but we used to have this little table, and I don't remember if it was um, uh, hexagon shaped or octagonal. I don't remember. I think it might have been hexagon shaped. Uh, no, that doesn't make sense. Maybe it had to be octagonal, but it was like an end table, and we had it between our couch and our love seat in the living room and under like on the side, like on the, the base, uh, two of the angled, uh, pieces of wood were connected and they were, it was a, a, a drawer or not a drawer. It was a door, I suppose that was held closed with a magnet and it would open. And that's where we kept our phone books. And that's where we kept all of the, uh, catalogs that we got in like uh, i'm pretty sure we got like a montgomery wards and a sears and maybe jc pennies i don't know just all those those big thick um uh catalogs like that you know and uh, so when that would come in the mail my sister and i we had these giant pillows we would throw these pillows down in the floor of the living room we would sit there side by side and just go through every page and of course those catalogs um, if you've looked at them, like in my mind, it's 500 pages of toys. But if you've looked at one, that's not what they are. There's a lot of clothes. Uh, there's all these household items and, and kitchen appliances. And then you start getting to the old toy section, you know. And my sister and I would 
go through there and um uh you know we would use a sharpie my dad always had sharpies my dad worked at uh, at a uh, at a printing company uh, on a printing press and so he always had there were certain things we always had laying around the house we always had uh, sharpies we always had razor blades uh there were just certain things that uh uh, that he would pick up during the day, and then at night he would come home and empty his pocket. So there was, you know, we had a drawer that had fifty sharpies in it, and um, so my sister and I would get a sharpie and we would sit there and go through, and then we would circle the things we wanted, you know, and and um, uh, you know the 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 best and worst thing about going through a catalog with a spouse, uh, not a spouse, but a, a sibling. Uh, of the opposite sex is that you're going to be on every page. You can't jump past the Barbie page. <laughs> you can't jump past, you know, the um, kids, you know, the girl pajama page. You're going to have to see every page. And I'm sure she felt the same way when we got to the Star Wars page and the He-Man page and all that. I'm sure there were pages she would have uh, just as soon skipped as well. But uh, nope, when you're going through with your sister, you got to go through every single page. And so we would lay there on the floor and just flip that thing one page at a time. And I can, in my mind, I can feel that paper, that glossy uh, kind of paper. If you flipped it too hard, it would rip. You know, it was like really kind of, not not thin paper, but I don't know, Just um, it just had a very unique, uh, it wasn't as thick as like magazine paper. I, I feel like it was thinner than that. But I, I can, uh, if I close my eyes, I can feel it between my fingers, you know. Uh, so that, that was the first thing we would do, uh, when it was Christmas was coming as we would sit down and go through the catalog and start making our, uh, our little lists of things that we wanted. Uh, I remember as a kid, we used to go to service merchandise. There was a service merchandise pretty close to my house and we would go there. Service merchandise was famous for not being able to, pick up the products in the actual aisles you would go down and they would have things on display and then they would have little pieces of paper little tags and then you would pick the tag up and take it up front and give it to when it was time to check out and they would have somebody go into the little locked cage and go get things i remember looking at the uh, atari games and things like that and you couldn't pick it i mean they had the boxes but they were like um uh, but not the actual games. Like you, you wouldn't put that into your shopping cart. You know, you would just uh, get the little tag and give that up front. So we would go to service merchandise, and, and maybe my mom would do some other shopping or something. But I remember going there and just walking up and down the aisles and making a little mental list, like, oh, I want to get this. Uh, sure, want to get this River Raid <laughs> for the Atari, you know, or uh, this thing from Star Wars. There was a. Uh, as a kid one time, I forget if it was the Tauntaun or the Snowspeeder, but it was something that I'd put on my Christmas list and my parents went everywhere trying to find it and they couldn't find it. Um, I'm sure if I asked my dad, he would remember because he remembers that, that year where um, they went to all these different places. And I think they went to service merchandise and it had bought it online or not online, but um, uh, ordered it or something. And then it was late and like at Christmas Eve, they were up there trying to get it. So that was... Um, uh, you know, there were some Star Wars toys that were like that. They were kind of the, the Cabbage Patch before uh, the Cabbage Patch doll, before that craze. But um, I do remember going to service merchandise and walking up and down the aisles. And I remember if we were lucky, uh, we would go to Toys R Us. And boy, you could build a, a Christmas list there, you know. You'd, uh, I remember a, a Toys R Us, one of the biggest things I remember, I don't know why... Uh, of course, they had the, the best Star Wars selection. They had the best, you know, all kinds of just aisle after aisle of toys. But they always had all those brand new bicycles. And uh, there would always be like some crazy kids that would just be riding bicycles around the store, like trying them out or whatever. And and uh, I don't think I ever rode a bicycle at Toys R Us, but I'm sure I've sat on them, you know. And I'm sure that, uh, uh, that I got on those... Uh, uh, you know, just sit on there and, uh, you know, pretend like I was riding or, or just, uh, you know, walk one around a little bit. And it was always, it's that weird kind of thing of having a bicycle, but being indoors, you know, that kind of strange feeling. Um, and I always, I was always jealous of those kids that would just like get on the big wheel and just take off down toys, <laughs> you know, which now I'm like, oh, if my kids did that, I would beat them, you know, but, uh, um, but yeah, when you were a kid, like Toys R Us was a little crazy, 
around Christmas time, but but those were the kinds of places, man, where you would go and, um, you know, just, um, I don't know, just dream, just see all the toys and, and imagine all these things that you wanted. Now, the great thing about Toys R Us is it was located right next to Crossroads Mall, which I just talked about on the episode about malls. And Crossroads Mall had the best uh, Santa Claus. So whenever it was time to go see Santa Claus, Santa Claus would come to Crossroads Mall and you would go stand there in line and and, uh, get to see Santa and tell him what you wanted. I have a very specific memory about standing in line waiting to see Santa and just like in the movies, turning to my mom and saying, I forgot what I wanted, you know, and then she told me a list of things to tell Santa, which may or may not have been things that uh, she knew that Santa might already be bringing or maybe things that she thought Santa might want to bring. But there was definitely a moment where I feel like uh, like my mom wouldn't have said, you know, ask him for a horse. (laughs) Because there's very little chance that Santa was going to bring me a horse, you know. Uh, so I feel like Santa and my mom might have been working together at Crossroads Mall. But I do remember making a list. Uh, I did mention this on the old uh, Christmas episode, but I had asked for the Slave One, which was Boba Fett's ship. And I think I told Santa that I wanted a slave, which led to a lot of confusion. <laughs> And my mom clarifying that there was a Star Wars ship called the Slave One. Uh, so, but, but yeah, I, I do remember just um, uh, waiting in that little line and then, you know, just drawing a blank and being like, oh, I forgot, I forgot what I wanted to ask Santa for, you know. Um, I did, as a kid, you know, I, I have all these memories of, coming up with the things that I wanted, you know, and you, and you came up with those through commercials. Of course, every toy was, was, uh, you know, on, on TV commercials and through the catalogs and from going to toy stores. But there's something else that I remember as a kid, and that was shopping for gifts for my parents at this place called the North Pole. And every year when I was a little kid in school, the teachers would, they'd send home this note and it would say something like, you know, uh, hey parents, please send your kids to school with $5 or something and we will take them shopping at the North Pole. And this was a thing that our schools uh, set up and the kids got to go down there, a classroom at a time, and we went down and got to do shopping and buy things for uh, our parents, you know, and our and our brothers and sisters. And I'm trying to remember, like, I'm pretty sure I bought my mom a lucky rabbit's foot. (laughs) Like I decided that's what, you know, in second grade, I was like, I bet she'll love that. That'll make her so lucky. And buying my sister some uh, Christmas themed pencils, you know. Uh, And, uh, you know, I I am a uh, sentimental guy. I'm a nostalgic guy. But if my kid got me pencils, I'd be like, ah, oh, and then I would use them and then I would throw them away. Like, I, it's not the kind of thing I would put up with their baby book, you know. Uh, I mean, in reality, my mom is giving me five bucks so that I could give it back to her in the form of a lucky rabbit's foot. <laughs> uh, but I do remember lots of little Christmas themed things there, little tiny um, plastic rubbery Santas and, and reindeer and things like that. So... Um, I, I don't, I wish I remember more about that, you know, I, and I haven't been able to find much online of other people that, that did that, but, um, that, that's a fun uh, Christmas memory. Another fun Christmas memory I have at that same school was, uh, going to music class because we would, um, sometimes listen to Christmas music and we would also sing Christmas songs. And there are a couple of Christmas songs that I sing, uh, in front of my wife, and she thinks I'm insane. Uh, one of them, she thinks I made up. I did not make it up. I remember every word to it. Um, but neither one of these are songs that I believe children are allowed to sing in public schools. Uh, and one of them was called Happy Birthday, Baby Jesus. And uh, it's a real song. You can find it on YouTube. It's a song, basically, where you know it talks about uh, Christmas but that Christmas is really a birthday party, 
for baby Jesus. And it's kind of a, it's almost to the Bo Diddley beat, if you know what I mean by that. I believe the Bo Diddley beat is, uh, you know, where songs go dun, 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 dun. It's that kind of beat, you know. And uh, it, it starts off like that. Everybody has a birthday and a cake at a party, too. I love that song. And so we would sing that. I don't think you're allowed to sing Happy Birthday, Baby Jesus in public schools anymore. I'm pretty sure that got uh, that got the Knicks. But it's funny, if you look on YouTube, there's a lot of uh, uh, classrooms that used to sing that. There's a lot of videos of that out there. Another song that I remember that we always sang, and we did this in a music uh, performance, and this is a song that I found on YouTube that classes are still singing, and it is uh, called Pablo, the Reindeer from Mexico. And it's a, an entire song, you know, I mean, the traditionalists will tell you that there's only eight reindeer, you know, Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen. Uh, but the, you know, once you add Rudolph, it's like all bets are off. Because now Rudolph, now you got your ninth reindeer. And if you can have nine reindeer, you can have ten reindeer. And so the song Pablo, the reindeer from Mexico, it talks about what value Pablo adds to uh, Santa's sleigh and uh, what Pablo does for uh, helping Santa deliver the gifts. And one of the things that says uh, without him, uh, Santa would not know where he's going south of the border. Uh, And so it appears like Pablo, because he uh, reads Spanish uh, that, um, and speaks Spanish that he helps Santa navigate um, when he's delivering gifts to Mexico. But that really opens a lot of questions because there are a lot of languages spoken around the world. And so now I have to wonder, is there a different reindeer for every country or every language? Uh, Or is it just Pablo? I mean, is Mexico the only country that Santa had a problem navigating in because he didn't speak Spanish? And does Pablo go to Spain also? I mean, it's when you look at it as an adult, it's a very cute, uh, confusing concept, you know. As a kid, though, we loved it. Pablo the Reindeer. And some people would say from Mexico um, or Mexico. It just depends on uh, your preference when you're singing the song. Um, also, Pablo can do the cha-cha-cha. That's <laughs> one of the lines for this song. Uh, so anyway, uh, that that was uh, a fun little song. And uh um, you know, later there was, uh, Olive, uh, which was, uh, the other reindeer. So, you know, the, um, uh, from Rudolph, when it says all of the other reindeer, well, that means there's a reindeer whose name is Olive. And, um, I don't think we sang about Olive, but you know, now, now things are out of control. You know, you were okay with the ninth with Rudolph. Now you got Pablo. Now you got some guy named Olive. I mean, it's really... You know, it's getting a little crowded there up at the front of the sleigh. So, uh, we also we had a music teacher that would bring in Christmas records and play them. And I remember her bringing John Denver and the Muppets, and we would listen to uh, their Twelve Days of Christmas, which I absolutely loved. And of course, it would do the the countdown, you know, of all the different uh, gifts that you would get on the twelve days. And and Miss Piggy did the famous five golden rings, where she would say ba da ba bum. <laughs> and we would sing it. And the biggest problem in that class when you were singing the song is that everybody would try to impersonate the Muppets. And I remember getting very upset. This is the type of thing that uh, little uh, first or second grade Robbie O'Hara would get upset about. And I was like, guys, that's just their voices. You do your voices. Don't impersonate their voices. And um, the teacher was like, that's right. You know, that's just the way that the Muppets talk. Uh, so I don't know why that upset me so much as a child, but I certainly remember, um, listening to that in music class and several years ago when I started collecting vinyl, um, and I don't collect vinyl. I should, I should nip that in the bud. I've got, you know, I mentioned this somewhere, uh, 50 to a hundred records, somewhere in that. I don't even know how many, um, but I really just get the things that I liked as a child. I only buy things that are not available on CD, uh, so I have a lot of old, weird comedy albums and a lot of uh, child Disney albums and Sesame Street albums and, and Muppet albums. And I do have John Denver and the Muppets, which technically is available on CD, but uh, it's a record that I owned as a kid. And so I still have that and um, do occasionally listen to it. 
I don't listen to a lot of records, but occasionally I'll put one on, and that's one of the ones that I listen to. Um, these, you know, when I got older, there were I found some other Christmas songs. I know there's uh, Santa Claus and His Old Lady, the old Cheech and Chong routine, and of course uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie's Twelve Days of Christmas, which um, was confusing to me as a kid in America because there's they talk about um, like things like toques uh, that I didn't know. I didn't know what they meant, and they they were you know kind of Canadian specific words that uh, us uh, us uh, Southerners were not familiar with. But I, I always loved hearing that. I'm pretty sure both of those latter two, um, Bob and Doug and uh, Santa Claus and his old lady, I was both uh, exposed to through Doctor Demento. I'm pretty sure is where I heard those. Um, I wrote a note here that says Christmas movies, and that's all I wrote. Um, I do remember when Christmas would would come around, and uh, you know, back then, I mean, we did have VCRs, but uh, it wasn't likely that you would waste a or not waste, but devote a VHS tape. VHS tapes for me were like gold. Like we had like one or two. Uh, and everything I wanted, I had to tape on those tapes, and then things just got taped over, you know? So it wasn't very likely that I would uh, record something like Frosty the Snowman or um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and keep that all year just to watch it. Because you only watch that stuff around Christmas, and every year on Christmas, it was guaranteed they would show those things. Um, but yeah, I, I was always a big fan, you know, because of movies and special effects and stop motion and all that. I really like those Rankin Bass uh, stop motion specials, the Rudolph, you know, of course I was a big fan of um, Bigfoot and UFOs and, and things like that. So the fact that the abominable snowman <laughs> was in that special just made it uh, even more uh, entertaining for me. So I loved uh, uh, Rudolph. I love uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. Those are just uh, classics. And I love the, Frosty the Snowman, the animated special, just because it goes through the song line by line, you know, and so every single thing that happens in the song plays out as a scene in the cartoon. And so I always loved how those things uh, were connected. I loved uh, the Grinch animated special. I watch the Grinch every year and I watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special every year. Um, what else? I loved uh, Emmett Otter, Jug Band Christmas. I've probably talked about that on uh, other episodes somewhere, but that was the Jim Henson. Uh, I believe Kermit uh, introduces the beginning of it, and then it's a Jim Henson and Muppet production, and you have the, uh, uh, you know, Emmett the Otter and his mom and their friends, and they eventually they, they're going to write songs because they're going to perform in this talent show to try to win money so they can... Uh, uh, you know, pay, he can pay his mother back because he has to put a hole in the wash tub so that he can make the wash tub jug band. And, uh, his mom has to sell a toolbox, you know, and, and, uh, that special has so many songs that have stuck with, you know, when you, when you see musicals at a certain age, the songs stick with you for your whole life. And I am not ashamed to say that most of the songs from the Emmett Otter Jug Band Christmas, not only do I know every word to them, but I have the entire soundtrack on my phone. Uh, I mean, I can be in the car with my phone on random uh, or shuffle, and I will hear some death metal song. And the next song is Emmett Otter's mom singing, you know, well, there ain't no hole in the wash tub. <laughs> and the greatest Muppet-related song of all time, in my opinion, is the River Bottom, River Bottom Nightmare Band uh, song that's at the end of Emmett Otter. That's the uh, bad guys from uh, River Bottom who, unfortunately for Emmett Otter, but they teach him a lesson, but they win the talent show. And uh, it's this very 70s rock kind of song. I love it so much. And uh, that is on there. And, and that's a legit song. I mean, when that comes on uh, the phone, uh, it, it's a good time. There's some rocking going on there with that. Uh, I, I remember, I think I was in, um, oh, probably fifth or sixth grade maybe when um, The Christmas Carol came out, the version with George C. Scott. That is the version that I grew up watching. So when I think of Christmas Carol, uh, that's the one. And then uh, what's that guy's name? Is it David Warner? who is um, Bob Cratchit 
And, um, uh, you know, this was like a couple of years right after Tron. And I was like, oh, it's Zark. <laughs> and he was the bad guy in Time Bandits, too. So uh, it was, uh, you know, strange to see him in a a role that wasn't science fiction or fantasy. To me, I also knew him as Jack the Ripper from time after time. So that was a, an actor and I may be one of the earliest actors that I knew for multiple roles that I actually recognized, uh, in, in different things like that. I mean, that's not entirely true. Cause obviously I would have known Harrison Ford from Indiana Jones and star Wars, but, it, but David Warner was definitely, um, uh, one of the earlier ones, you know, that I recognized. But when I think of, Christmas Carol, that's the version I think of with George C. Scott. Um, but there was another version that I remember seeing a lot, which was the um, Bugs Bunny has a uh, episode or a, a version of Christmas Carol, and I remember watching that too. Uh, and I don't think you can talk about Christmas movies without talking about A Christmas Story. Now, I know that came out in the early 1980s, but it uh, definitely hit. It took off. It was a hit in our family, and now it's a hit in everyone's family. Not that we were, you know, trailblazers, but um, I just remember when it came out and then uh, waiting every year for it to come on. And then, you know, now we have these uh, 24-hour marathons every year where it's on. Uh, I mean, it's it, they show it sometimes in July. I mean, it's just a uh, a movie that, that's insanely popular. Uh, a few years ago, Probably five years ago when we went on vacation to Niagara Falls, we drove north from Oklahoma all the way up through Chicago, and then we cut across and we went through Ohio, and we stopped at the Christmas Story house. And uh, if you're not aware, they have turned that house. Originally, only the exterior shots of the movie were shot there, and of course the interiors were shot on a sound set, but the people that have bought the house have renovated it to where it looks exactly like the house from the movie. So, and everything inside the Christmas story house is hands on. So there's, uh, a Red Ryder BB gun that you can pick up and, and pose with for pictures. There's a leg lamp on the front table and there's a giant, uh, a crate, you know, that says Fred Gile on it that's full of packing peanuts that you can stand near or in if you want and have your pictures taken. There's the, the bowling ball, but all through the house, there's the, um, all the stuff in the kitchen. There's the cupboard where Ralphie, um, or his brother climbs inside to, uh, to hide, you know, because he's afraid Ralphie's going to get killed. Um, upstairs in the bathroom, there's the, uh, Little Orphan Andy decoder ring. There's a, a fake bar of soap. I, I wouldn't recommend sticking it in your mouth, but uh, but every room from from the movie is in this house, and it's really it's one of those deja vu moments where uh, even though it was the first time we've been there, it felt like uh, like I knew this place, you know. So we had a great time visiting that, and then um, recently, uh, as it went in the past uh, two or three weeks. A city near me, Chickasha, Oklahoma, has set up their own inflatable leg lamp. It's at the end of Main Street, and it is 50 foot tall. Now, technically, the leg lamp is 40 foot tall, and it's on top of a 10 foot crate, 10 foot tall crate that says Fragile <laughs> on the side. Uh, apparently, the man who invented the very first leg lamp was from Chickasha, Oklahoma, and he died. And they were looking for a way not only to draw um, visitors in for the holidays. Chickasha also has a uh, a giant Christmas light display, and people go there. But uh, now they have this leg lamp, and people are starting to drive in just to go see the giant leg lamp. I don't think it's going to be up year-round. It's probably just around the holidays, but... Uh, my wife and I drove out to go see it one morning and it turned out it was the, they had taken it down because of high winds. And so they were just setting it back up. And so we sat there for an hour and watched uh, these uh, gentlemen put the leg lamp uh, up and, and inflate it. And they actually came over and talked to us and told us what they were doing. And, and uh, we got a lot of information about the leg lamp and, you know, where it had been bought and how much it cost and what they were doing to, you know, have it survive the winds and all kinds of interesting stuff. So it was a really fun day. We were the only two people, my wife and I were the only two people just standing out on the sidewalk. So we did kind of 
stand out like a sore thumb, but it was a, a very fun day, and it, and it did remind me of um, Christmas and, of course, a Christmas story. Um, you know, the only other thing I would have to say about Christmas movies is uh, the other day I was flipping channels, and uh, we caught Home Alone, and or maybe it was Home Alone 2, but it's the part with the pigeon lady who lives in the, the middle of uh, of town, you know, and she has all the pigeons around her, and she eventually helps uh, Macaulay Culkin. And uh, I was like, I wonder how old this lady is. And I looked her up on IMDb, and I looked up her name, and she is 47 years old. The old lady in the movie is 47. Uh, and just as a spoiler, I am also 47 years old. So uh, I was like, wow, am I... That's who I am. I'm the old pigeon lady. <laughs> um, but uh, And then I just happened to see an article. This is unrelated to that. I saw an article, an interview with her, uh, talking about how depressed she gets during Christmas, that she's uh, old and alone. She's 75 years old now, and that she spends Christmas alone. And it was very sad. I thought, oh, the lady from home alone is sad. I think they should, you know, people should reach out to her. I don't know how to reach out to her, but... Uh, uh, if you happen to know the pigeon lady from uh, Home Alone, she could use some Christmas cookies. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, but yeah, so uh, you know, as a kid, we were big into Christmas movies, and um, the one thing I do, I will say, I don't know that I saw them all as a kid, but you know, as I got a little older, I saw these, um, you know, like uh, the Flintstones Christmas and Mr. Magoo's Christmas and Pink Panthers Christmas, and I do like watching those from time to time. But I, I don't, I'm not very simp, uh, you know, I, I just don't have that nostalgic connection with those because I didn't see them as a kid. So I do enjoy watching those. I did see the Smurfs one, I think, as a kid, um, but um, they're not a big part. I, I do enjoy them, but I don't have to watch those every year. Some of those I feel like it's not Christmas, like it's not Christmas unless at some point I've sat through the Grinch, you know. Now in that old episode I talked about the rule that we had when I was a kid, and that rule was we had to go to bed on Christmas Eve and you were not allowed to come out of your room until 6 a.m. on Christmas morning. That's when Christmas started. So at some point between when you went to bed and 6 a.m. the next morning, that was when Santa Claus visited our house. Um, so all the gifts from my parents were wrapped and all the gifts from Santa were not wrapped and they were gathered around the tree. And the way that my sister and my bedrooms were located, we could not see the tree area. So sometimes in the middle of the night, you might hear a little rustling or movement, but we knew if you came out of your room, there wasn't going to be a Christmas. So you had to stay in your room, and it was torture. And so we have continued this uh, same rule, this tradition, on for my kids. And every year, and I'm sure this was the case when I was a kid too, but every year uh, my son sleeps a little later. Um, you know, uh, and my my daughter is, uh, we call her the protector of Christmas. I wrote a blog post a few years ago. We had a animatronic, uh, Santa Claus. It was like, uh, four foot tall and it would shake its uh, booty and play Christmas songs. I think it played jingle bells on his head, turned back and forth and then it broke. Uh, and so the body got thrown away and my, my daughter kept the head and then she got this pole and stuck his Santa's head on this pole and she just walked around the house and said she was the protector of Christmas. Um, and so she is the one that makes sure that we adhere to all those Christmas traditions. Right now in the other room, she and my wife are decorating Christmas cookies. Unfortunately, we're not having our annual Christmas party this year. Nobody's coming over, but they're still decorating cookies. And, and Morgan is the one that uh, makes sure that those things happen, you know. And Morgan is the one that gets up at 6 a.m. every year. And even if everybody else is not awake, she will sound the alarm. She will go wake her brother up. She will come wake us up if we're not already up. That's that's how Christmas happens at my house. She is the one uh, that makes sure everybody is up at 6 o'clock. And I'm sure when she has kids someday, that rule will be uh, uh, enforced. And if my son has children, they will probably all sleep until noon <laughs> and open gifts then. Now, in 2016, and this is after I did my last uh, podcast about Christmas, we found 
a deal on a cruise to Hawaii. There were two different windows of opportunity open. One was during the summer when it was very expensive. And there was a more affordable cruise that took place over the Christmas holidays in 2016. Uh, it, was two, it was Christmas of 2015 and the New Year's of you know 2016, technically. And so we decided that we were going to do it. And we told our family. Now, this was hard because most years we're the ones that organize Christmas. We're the ones that have people over to our house. We... Um, you know, people bring food to our house, people, we have the, the annual Christmas party. So this was a big decision for us. And we talked to everyone, all of our, our family members and, uh, made sure they were all okay with it. And, uh, we went on this cruise and it was, we left from, hmm, let me think about this. We left. So we went to Los Angeles and it was the it was the day before well the day before we left or maybe a couple of days before was um when Star Wars episode 7 was released and so we got to see opening night we got to see Star Wars episode 7 at El Capitan Theater which is owned by Disney and it's across the street from the uh Chinese theater so as we're standing in line and we, we can see the, the handprints and the concrete. I mean, it was an amazing event. There were people lined up with lightsabers. There were news channel reporters out. I mean, it was a super cool event. While we were in, uh, oh, and inside they had displays of um, Stormtrooper armor. And they had a replica BB-8 and, and all these cool things. You know, it was really, really neat. And while we were in L.A., we got to go to the uh, Warner Brothers behind-the-scenes tour. That was fun. I mean, I, anything that has to do with movies and special effects and stuff like that, I'm just super into, you know. So we did all that, and then we left. The cruise left out of L.A., uh, and um, we went to Hawaii. And so it was, I think, four days on the water. It was a really long cruise. And then we got to Hawaii. We spent Christmas Day on the big island in Hawaii. It was amazing. We did all kinds of cool stuff while we were there. Uh, we spent New Year's Eve on the boat as we were, I said the boat, the, the cruise ship, on the way back. They had a giant balloon drop and all kinds of things. I mean, it was just an amazing, amazing experience. We loved every part of it. And when um, we got home, we found out that basically none of our family had got together for the holidays, that everybody had just kind of stuck to their own small little groups and stuff, and we felt terribly guilty about the trip. And so we've kind of decided that we won't do that again. Uh, not, not you know, until things change later on down the down the road, but as long as as we're still having uh, able to have you know Halloween get or uh, Christmas get-togethers and and uh, people are still coming to them and stuff, then we will continue to do that. I think you know maybe Morgan's rubbed off on us. Maybe we are the uh, protectors of uh, the Christmas party, but um, we had a, a really great time on that cruise. Um, it does not feel like Christmas when it's you know sixty degrees and you're touring a volcano and and snorkeling and doing all these things. Uh, we we had. Uh, we opened gifts on the, the ship, you know, and, and um, I mean, it was a really fun memory and a really good memory with my family, but there is guilt involved uh, in that, in that trip as well. So it was a, it was a fun trip, but when we came back uh, and nobody made us feel guilty, any guilt we feel is, is from ourselves, you know, but uh, yeah, it just, it just didn't feel right celebrating Christmas away from uh, our friends and family and stuff. So we probably won't do that again. Now, in the old episode, the last episode, the holiday uh, Christmas episode, I talked about a family tradition that I, we've been doing since I was a child, which is having waffles on Christmas morning. So uh, every morning we would get up, you know, we would open our presents and stuff, and then it was time for Christmas breakfast, and we would have uh, scrambled eggs, bacon, maybe sausage. Uh, seems like we always had, uh, orange juice and milk, uh, but we always had waffles and we had this one waffle maker. It's a big old school type waffle maker. It's brown and metal and big square shaped. Um, 
And every year, when I was a kid, every year, we had waffles with that waffle maker. And once uh, my parents were separated, you know, we would still go over to my dad sometimes for Christmas, and he would break out the waffle iron, and he would make waffles and stuff. But then once we had kids, we started having Christmas at my house. And so my dad started bringing the waffle iron to our house to have waffles every year. Uh, and then he just left the waffle iron at our house because we only had waffles once a year and it was always on Christmas. So why bring it back and forth? Why should he keep it at his house in a cabinet 364 days and then bring it over every year for Christmas? So in 2018, in October, we moved into the the new house that I'm in today. This was a, a brand new house that had just been built. And uh, we moved over here and we were unpacking and everything. And uh, uh, we just had so much stuff still out in the garage and unpacked and, and things in wrong places. And I think on Christmas Eve, we realized that we could not find the waffle iron. It might have even been before that. It might have been a few days before that. And we went, we got to the point where we emptied every cabinet in the kitchen, every single cabinet. We went through one by one and could not find the waffle iron. We uh, went through every box that we could find in the garage that might have kitchen stuff. We could not find the waffle iron. Uh, finally, we had to face the music. When my dad came over for Christmas, we were like, I was devastated. I was like, I can't find the waffle iron. I don't know where it is. And everybody was like, okay, well, we'll just have pancakes. But if you know me, and you know how sentimental I am, and you know how nostalgic I am, and you know what a stickler at times I am to, um, you know, following, you know, the traditions, it was not okay with me. And I joked, you know, and I pretended like I was upset, but deep down I was upset. I was really upset that we weren't having waffles. Um, and so in 2019, Last year for Christmas, my wife bought a brand new waffle maker. And uh, so my dad came over for Christmas last year, 2019, and Susan breaks out the new waffle maker. And I was just really upset. I really wanted the old uh, waffle maker back. And um, you know what? I'm getting, I'm getting my years. I'm getting my years confused because she bought it before she bought it before. Um, and, uh, I think she got it from Coles and we had tried it and it, it worked. Um, so in 2019, uh, before Christmas, we were out in the garage looking for something and found a box that was behind another box. And in that box was the old waffle iron. And so for Christmas, 2019, uh, we had the new waffle iron and the old waffle iron and the new waffle iron is so much better. <laughs> it makes waffles faster. It makes them better. It makes them, uh, you know, the texture is better. They're, they're, they're heat up more. So they have that little bit of crispness, but they're not burnt. You know, I mean, it's a better waffle iron all the way around, but it's not the old one. And it, that's not the tradition, you know? And so we've joked that everyone else in the house is going to get waffles from the new one, except for me. And I'm getting waffles from the old waffle iron. So I don't know if that will really happen. I'm sure we'll probably just use the new one. But even if we do, I'm pulling the old one out. It will be sitting there on the counter now that we found it. I felt like I had ruined Christmas breakfast that year. And I felt really, really bad about it. And, uh, you know, everybody else was like, well, we'll just get another waffle iron. But there was something, I don't know, about using the same one that you've used your whole life that I enjoyed. So anyway, the waffle iron has been uh, rediscovered. So I don't know which one we'll use. Uh, actually, I, I, I'm giving away a little bit of a spoiler. I'm, I'm recording this on uh, Christmas Eve. So tomorrow morning is uh, is Christmas morning. So by the time you hear this, I will have used one or the other. So if you follow me on uh, uh, Twitter, I will post uh, pictures of uh, the waffle irons uh, on Christmas morning, and I'll show you what they look like. Um, so here's uh, another funny story that I had um, about Christmas last year. And that was, um, 
it all starts with a restaurant, and I don't want to name the restaurant because it also invo- involves um, <laughs> petty theft, I think. Uh, but there, when I was going to college, there was a fast food Mexican restaurant, which is kind of a local restaurant, so you've probably not heard of it. And uh, after I would leave school, I would go through the drive-thru and I would get uh, a couple of items to eat for dinner on the way home. And I would also get some packets of their hot sauce. And their hot sauce is the most amazing hot sauce I've ever had from a Mexican fast food restaurant. It blows away Taco Bell. It blows away Taco Mayo. I mean, it's so, so good. And so... When I would go through drive-thru, I started asking for a little bit extra. I was like, hey, can I get a big handful of that sauce? And they would say, sure. And I would keep some here around the house. So if I had scrambled eggs, I'd just put a little bit of this hot sauce on it. Or if we made tamales or something, I'd put a little bit of this hot sauce on it. It's so good, you know? And um, a couple of times, I went to this restaurant with my wife, and I embarrassed her because I got like a probably a too big of a handful of the sauce and put it in my pockets. And she's like, you can't just take the sauce like that. I'm like, eh, you know, they've got it out here. People eat it. I'll eat it. You know, and I get it. You really shouldn't do that. And there are worse things to do than take a few extra hot sauce packets, but, uh, it's not the right thing to do. So when Christmas rolled around, my wife handed me a box and, and she said, you can shake that. And I shook it, and I could not determine what it was. She said, I bet you know what that is. And I said, I have no idea. And so I took the ribbon off, and I opened the lid, and inside this box were probably over 100 hot sauce packets from this restaurant. I was just absolutely floored. I said, where did these come from? And she had spent the past six months eating at this restaurant without telling me, and pilfering a few extra hot sauce packets each time. So she said that this this box represented probably 10 to 15 different trips to this restaurant where she would go there, eat, and then take, you know, a few extra packets each time and had loaded them up. I still have the box. I have this out in the garage fridge. Uh, I still use them. I have not gone through all of them yet. They are so delicious. And uh, recently one of these restaurants popped up in my town. And what's funny is if you ask for extra sauce, they give you like, they don't give you like three extra packets. They will give you like 30 packets. Uh, so they're very generous with their sauce. And so my wife probably didn't even need to make so many trips. She probably could have gone two or three times and asked for sauce and got as much as she did. But, um, that's really one of the most unique Christmas presents that I've got recently is a box of hot sauce from a, a fast food uh, <laughs> restaurant. So my wife's kooky. I'm kooky. My kids are kooky. That's just kind of how, how we all are. So, um, the other thing I would, I guess I was going to talk about, I wrote down, um, workshop slash movie theater, which was, uh, last year we had hoped, um, we had, we had started, uh, you know, we'd hired a local contractor to put up a workshop in my backyard, a 1200 square foot building that was divided in half. So 600 square foot is a workshop, which is basically a three car garage, a big three car garage. And the other half we had finished out to become a movie room and it was supposed to be done by Christmas last year. And so we had made all these plans, uh, that people would come over. We were going to show Christmas movies out there. And uh, the contractor was so far behind that by Christmas, I don't even think it had walls. Uh, they didn't finish it until April. It took twice as long as what they had quoted us. And it was, uh, you know, it's one of those things where after it's over, you know, and, and you get a little bit of space behind you, you're not as mad about it or you're not as frustrated. But at the time, I was pretty mad and I was pretty frustrated uh, because we'd kind of made some plans that that's what we were going to do for Christmas, you know. Uh, so I remember my wife and I saying, you know what, we'll do it next year. Next year we'll invite everybody we know over and we'll have a big party out there in the movie room and all that. Uh, and then COVID happened. And so we're not doing it this year either. So maybe 2021 will be the year that we invite people over and we put on Christmas movies and we have a big um, snack and, and mixer and, and things like that. So, 
Um, but, uh, you know, my dad used to come over every Sunday for coffee and he really doesn't uh, feel comfortable coming over right now and being in the house because, um, my kids, uh, probably they're not as, uh, isolated as my wife and I are. They still see some of their friends. You know, my son works at a restaurant, so they're exposed to more things uh, than my wife and I are who work from home. Uh, but the workshop has become uh, a godsend because I have a six-foot table out there. And so we have a, a chair set up at each end of the table. And so my dad's still able to come over on Sundays. And uh, he sits at one end of the table. I sit at the other. We we prop the door open so there's some uh, circulating air. We have a heater out there to keep him warm. And uh, we drink coffee. And we hang out for an hour and a half, and uh, so we're able to, to still do that. And so that's, uh, again, by the time you hear this, that's what we will have done. He's coming over Christmas morning, and I'm going to set up uh, a laptop with a TV, and we're going to connect to the living room with Zoom so that everybody inside the house can talk to uh, my dad while he's over and, and uh, vice versa. So uh, it's one of those uh, Christmas things uh, where you integrate Christmas and technology, you know. Um, you know, the other thing that I just remembered on the top of my head here, which is uh, kind of interesting is, um, I used to, for our Christmas party every year, I used to put together this big slideshow. And so I would take, um, all these pictures, like hundreds and hundreds of pictures, uh, not just from previous Christmases, but holidays and vacations and gatherings. And I put them, uh, when I started doing this. Gosh, when I started doing this, I had this little 486 laptop, uh, and I could, uh, and it did S video out and I ran it through the VCR into the CRT TV in the living room. And, uh, I, I had, um, this DOS picture viewer that would do a slideshow and, uh, and it would show them in order. So I had to, I wrote a little script that would randomize all the file names so that it would show them in random order. So, uh, nowadays, you know, my TV, I could just put all the pictures on a USB stick, stick it into my TV and it will do a random slideshow. Um, but I didn't put that together this year. We're not having the party. So, um, you know, maybe next year we will, uh, I'll put together the slideshow, but that's always a fun part. That's like my addition to the Christmas party is the Christmas slideshow. So I always look forward to doing that and didn't, um, get a chance to do that this year. So 2020 Christmas is going to be different than any other Christmas that we've ever had, but uh, uh, we made it to the end of the year. You made it to the end of the year. We're all here. So we survived. And, um, you know, because of the uh, the things that we did and, and um, you know, hopefully everybody in your family stayed healthy, that we all made it to the end of 2020. So here's to hoping that uh, 2021 is a different year, uh, that things get back to normal and that we can all start meeting again in public spaces and getting together and seeing our friends and family and, and doing all the great things uh, that we do that, that makes uh, life so wonderful. So uh, I did not want to specifically on this episode do a um, kind of my joke reading of all my Patreon supporters, but I did want to save it here to the end and give everybody uh, a special shout out, one last shout out before the end of the year. Um, and these are the people that uh, went to patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hare. They signed up uh, to send me a little bit of money each month. And that money goes to hosting fees and hardware for the podcast and uh, uh, different things. You know, the, um, the, the wireless light bulbs, they're, they're LED light bulbs that I can change the colors and stuff that I use for my gaming streams. That came out of that fun. So just little... Uh, things that I buy to make the show a little better or, um, you know, I'm, I'm 2021, I'm planning on doing some giveaways and some other things like that. So, uh, you know, all that is uh, stuff that's made possible by my supporters. So I want to read those guys and I wanted to do it in, in not a, uh, you know, in a funny manner, uh, for this episode. Uh, but the people that currently support the show through Patreon are Alan Hudgens, Aunt Page, Armadon Restel, Carrie Clanton, Chris Folds, C Dubs, Cobra Kai, Darren Folds, Dave Zilly, David Hearn, Eric Strainisi, 
Garrett Allier, Gary Heather, Graham Vebke, Jake Nonamaker, John Morrison, John Schaller, Mark Alley, Matt Nicholson, Mike McLaughlin, Mitsuyama, Mr. Bundy, Olaf Hope, Patrick Markey, Paul Hermsky Davies, Rick Reynolds, Roy Jacobs, Scott Lambert, Scrap Arcade, Stephen Burt, Steve Rasmussen, Steve Sharippa, Rydar and Christopher Bowe, and Zeke Pabsky. So thank you to you guys for uh, uh, backing my show and supporting what I do. I, I really appreciate it. And thanks to everybody who came back and started listening to a podcast that hadn't been around for a few years. I took some time off, um, and in the middle of all this pandemic stuff, I realized that I was listening to so many podcasts, uh, you know, as, um, I don't want to say a coping mechanism, but more of a calming mechanism, I would say. Uh, Just listening to some friends' voices seemed to make things a little bit better. And I wanted to do that for some other people as well. So um, I think since uh, June or July, I've done an episode of either Sprite Castle or You Don't Know Flat every week, which is probably a record for me. (laughs) Um, So we've got other fun stuff in store uh, for 2021. So thank you guys for listening to the show. And thanks for coming back in 2020. And I hope you stick around in 2021. Uh, It's been a, a... great year in some ways it's been a terrible year in some ways Uh, but again uh, we all made it we all made it to the finish line that is 2020 so thanks for sticking around i hope uh, everybody has a uh, merry christmas a happy holiday season and a happy new year and i will talk to everyone again in 2021 thank you guys talk to you soon Ladies and gentlemen, that was to have been our last act. Normally, we wouldn't allow any last-minute entries, but these kids have come a long way, all the way from Riverbottom. Yes, these Riverbottom boys have brought us a different kind of an act. What they've done is put together a genuine rock band. So let's welcome, please, tonight's last contestants. Here they are, the rock group known as The Nightmare.
And so the winner of our first annual talent contest is... The Nightmare! <laughs> 